This is People Who Play, a show about the art of playful living. I'm Emma Warrillow, researcher, writer and part-time mermaid. And I'm Ben Martin, content creator and nostalgia junkie. Join us once a week as we discuss our playful approach to parenting, work and marriage. Plus, look out for extra guest episodes. We believe that fun should be part of the everyday and we are here to support any grown-ups who want to grow down and avoid the onset of serious-itis that kicks in in adulthood. Find me on Instagram at playful underscore den. And if you'd like more of my content, you can subscribe to my Patreon. Just search for my name, Emma Warrillow, and get access to exclusive podcasts, insights and updates. And for all your retro feels, find me on Instagram at BenFlyingRetro. We really do appreciate all your likes, subscribes, follows and shares. These digital high fives really mean a lot to us and help us to grow the show. Okay, let's get on with the episode. It's playtime. Hello everyone, welcome back to a guest episode of People Who Play. I'm speaking today with Sydney Piercy, who is a mother of three. She is now living in rural southern France, which is a real sign of her commitment to slow living. And this is what this podcast is about today. She's the author of a book called Sustainable Play. 60 crafts and games for an earth kind home and she tells a story of in lockdown when she started to make toys out of cardboard boxes i think lots of us are probably having more cardboard in our homes these days with online delivery and the play potential is huge and in those boxes sydney found a quiet creative crafting rhythm that really sort of was quite astonishing the effect that it had on her um so she tells us the story of her journey with making things out of cardboard we talk a little bit about sustainable play how you know you can repurpose things use things around the house and how important that is not only uh, for environmental purposes but also in terms of experiencing a life that feels slower and calmer. I think the topic of slow living is really an interesting one and this expression living slower, slowing down, however you say it, is something that has been definitely around a lot more over the last few years. Perhaps it's just the life stage that I'm at that I'm thinking about it and hearing it more. Perhaps it's because we spent that intense period of time in lockdown where many of us experienced what that felt like to live a simpler and slower life. I think for me I've always been curious about what does that actually mean in terms of your own life and I think Sydney really helped me to understand that there is a sort of physicalness to it like she talks about making a cup of tea as slowly as she possibly can and that really stood out to me because I think sometimes when I am trying when I can feel myself speeding up too fast I may assume that the slowing down is about clearing things from my diary or not cramming as much work in but actually for Sydney it is really a whole approach to living from everything from how she engages with her children to how she makes her cup of tea this kind of constant consciousness around speed and trying to always anchor back to just keeping things simple and slow I found it a very soothing conversation as is her content you can find her details in the notes you can check out her book this was a really really beautiful conversation and I hope that you enjoy it. Hi Sydney, welcome to the podcast, great to have you here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, I'm really excited for this conversation, we're going to be chatting about cardboard, sustainable play, imagination, all topics I know that you're passionate about but I have followed you for some time on Instagram now and it's always that sort of funny moment where you get to actually have a proper conversation with these people that you look at in squares it's always such a treat (laughs) yeah I love your sort of your your content is like it feels quite meditative to me like it's very 
calm and gentle um, and you have that um, approach which is really lovely but before we get sort of stuck into that parenting and play stuff I'd love to just understand a little bit about how you played as a child I'm always really interested with my guests to learn about their play style their play history their play personality so we'd love to hear a little bit about your um, background and how you've um, yeah how you played as a kid that's an interesting question because I was not actually the most playful child. I was a very studious child. Mm. I read so much. Like I took a book with me everywhere. If I was going to a friend's house or a sleepover, I'd have a book in my bag. Like I was a very, very big reader and less, less of a, less of a player really. Um, I kind of would get lost in the world of books. And so I guess play for me has involved because now I play a lot, obviously because I have kids, but as I, as I got older, I guess, I think I discovered my like playful side, even like in my teens and just kind of relaxing a bit and stuff. Yeah. Growing up, I was very, very studious, very in my books, very like focused on academia. And now I've gone quite far the other way. And even with the kids, I'm like probably less concerned about academia and more concerned that they really know how to play, express themselves have fun and I guess that connection that play allows you as well especially mm. with your kids or, or even with yourself you know being creative and stuff so yeah I've definitely always been a creative person but less of a player when I was young and so it's interesting now that I am I think very playful <laughs> yeah so, so when you say you because because re, reading to me is a form of play um it, but more imaginative mm. play when you say you were sort of in your books, I'm assuming more like fiction and reading for pleasure, or or were you literally reading textbooks at your friend's house? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, no. No, it was definitely fiction. And I like that. Yes, it's true. It is an imaginative play, isn't it? And I definitely had a great imagination, well, still now, but had a great imagination as a kid and would often sort of like conjure little worlds in my head and stories in my head and yeah, I loved, like, I kind of grew up with, like, Ina Blyton and Mallory Towers and reading about, you know, kids in boarding schools and having midnight feasts and stuff. And that now kind of transpires in that I create the midnight feasts or I create the picnics and stuff with my kids. But, yeah, I think I like that kind of, that it's imaginative play. You're right. Mm. It's it's very, very linked, isn't it? Yeah, it's sort of, there, there's, there's, there's a theory, play personality theory, which has, like, different types of play ways of playing really? storyteller is one of them so ah. the storyteller play personality gets deeply immersed in characters <laughs> and narrative and story and, yeah. and he's constantly their imagination is just on fire all of oh the time I, I was actually very similar to you I, I didn't I was I was such a reader absolutely loved reading like when I think about what I used to do I did I did a lot of like um crafting and stuff like that but mm. reading um yeah so I was very much in that kind of imaginative world but it's interesting to hear you say to not associate it as being playful because yeah. I think we have these um assumptions Shins about what, what play, play is, is and it's like yeah. extrovert and it's you know mm. it's big role play or, or dancing or mm. you know big splashy colorful art um and actually those sort of more mm. quieter more introverted that happens in the imagination that no one else sees but us yeah. for some reason we don't always associate it as as kind of being uh, our playfulness or, or yeah. our literal play Oh, I love that. I'm going to look into that more, the personality trait. Yeah, it's super interesting. It is super interesting. I I am definitely um, the explorer. So there's a storyteller and explorer. But yeah, like love, like new places, new things, discovery, like constantly researching new knowledge, like just just like hungry for like new experiences all the time. Yeah, Um, yeah, I, I just love being in a new place like it doesn't even have to be anywhere glamorous yeah. <laughs> just like really um I that really sort of lights me up um but yeah so when I was listening to you talk about your books I was thinking oh storyteller which makes sense in a way I yeah. mean if I can um make the leap because your um a lot of your sort of content that you create and your um I suppose go to um play tool is mm-hmm. cardboard um yeah. <laughs> I know that you use a lot of cardboard and using cardboard to like literally create anything and if I had to think of a material or an object that an imaginative person 
really radiates to it will be a cardboard box, cardboard box yeah. <laughs> how, how did you start playing with cardboard and cardboard boxes cardboard. so that actually is not a very what's the word um it's not a very like it's basically it was lockdown which I think so yeah. many things were born of lockdown so for me our next door neighbours had two young boys and they were both, both parents were working full time, um, obviously back remotely. And they had, they are, their two young boys who they were homeschooling who are older than my kids. And I kind of was like, well, I'm here if I can do anything to help, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so I started like inventing little games and things and leaving them outside their houses or like little prompts of things that they could make. And I think it's that whole thing of, you know, when you take your kids to play at someone else's house and they're like fascinated by their new toys it was the idea that I was coming up with things that was like they didn't think about it their parents didn't think about it it was done by a neighbor so it was like oh wow this is so cool do you know what I mean it was it was very ordinary and very like not like kind of just simple ideas and I'd leave them outside their house and it kind of grew and I'd end up making you know a cardboard binoculars for them to play with and this that and the other and then my kids wanted in on the action um and so I'd start making things my my eldest loved helping me around the home so she was again like fascinated with like making toast using the washing machine and so I'd start making this stuff out of cardboard and it became like my sort of mindfulness in the evening we put the kids to bed my husband loves cooking in like that's kind of his way of expressing himself that's lucky you know listening to, <laughs> yeah it's honestly it's so great I said to him the other day like how lucky am I that I found someone who loves doing this so yeah he'd be like cooking away the kids be sleeping and I'd sit down with a cardboard box and be crafting something and get so into it and then she'd get like a new gift in the morning but something that she could play with or whatever and it was it really it was something that I enjoyed even if she didn't want to play with it I like had loved doing it I'd love the experience of making it and thinking about you know I'd I'd make all the features work so if it was a washing machine I'd make a drawer that would pull out I'd make a little knob that could turn and I just I don't know I kind of connected with this engineering side of my brain Mm -hmm. and cardboard being so readily accessible and because it was locked down so all of our things were getting delivered you know our dog food would come in big We'd order in bulk, so it would come in big boxes. People would often leave. We li- like live not too far from a coffee shop. But that's when we were living in London. We live not too far from a coffee shop, so they'd often have big boxes. Our neighbours would drop boxes over at my house, leave them outside. It's, it's easy, it's accessible, um, and also really, really good material to make sturdy things out of. So yeah, it's, it was just perfect. And I, and now like I don't know, like, I, I love a good box now. I'm like oh, a connoisseur of cardboard. <laughs> so many things in that that is piqued my curiosity um I want to start with something you said about dropping them in your neighbors you know by the front door I mean that is even though you're you're saying you know they were simple they were nothing actually what is in what is exciting for the child is the novelty so kids love novelty um, and Mm. they love variety and it's Mm. really important but I think sometimes we confuse that with the need to like buy them more and more stuff or take them to like lots of different kind of leisure experiences but that novelty when it's experienced in such a simplistic and pure way is actually more exciting Mm -hmm. and I think everyone has those parents have those experiences where they've played like a random game or I don't know hidden bunch of pennies around the house and the kids yeah it's like the best day ever like ever, I yeah. get those dms all the time like where yeah. uh, you know, a mum will mess me she's like oh you know I listened to what you're saying and you know I just put my phone away and I just told my kids that I'd play this game with them and they told me it was the best day ever, ever. yeah <laughs> so that kind of novelty um I think is really interesting in what you do with your cardboard creations so that 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 was interesting and then I'd love to I'd love you to talk about so when you're create when you were creating I'm assuming you were kind of very in flow in that activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you remember because obviously that was a stressful time. I mean there were mm-hmm. some benefits that came with the lockdown but mm-hmm. do you remember noticing the impact increasing your creativity and using your imagination had just on you in terms of like how you felt oh, massively, your character massively. your yeah, go on. Yeah, no, definitely. Even, but even now, to this day, creativity, this pretty recent discovery, is something that really grounds me, mm. really slows me. And it can be something from 
creating like making a toy for my children um often I'll like make quite a few of their birthday presents for example or over Christmas I like made quite a few presents and I started doing that a little bit earlier and that's something that just kind of slows me down but even if it's something like slowing down to make a cup of tea and thinking about Mm -hmm. doing it and mindfully doing it and intentionally doing it for me that's sort of my go-to cure whenever I feel anxious and Mm -hmm. I do get it's very actually triggered by social media and being on my phone Um, and it's a wonderful thing obviously the kind of benefits of you can reach all these people you can speak to all these people and have really great conversations with people that you would never probably meet walking down the street but sometimes I find my phone like just so I have to have it like um, facing down because I find it a big trigger for sort of like feeling very anxious yeah. And the minute I want to slow down, it'll be a case of, like you said, putting the phone away and just very slowly doing a task. And it doesn't mm. really matter where it ends up. So even drawing a picture and it doesn't matter if the picture's any good, but it's just that case of slowing down and doing something with my hands. So, yeah, it kind of it worked out really well that I kind of found something that the kids would get something out of. But it was not necessarily that wasn't the entire point um a big part of it like I said if the kids I I talk about actually in my book that um I once made this dustpan and brush from two cards boxes a dustpan and brush set for my kids and thought it was the coolest thing ever and presented it to them and they were like no like not interested (laughs) but I didn't care because I (laughs) they literally kind of looked at it as if it was something the dog had brought in but I didn't mind because I had like finding, <laughs> working out how I could create the bristles very, with very simple mm. scissor, mm. like scissor cuts mm. and putting it together in a way that it, it really worked and it looked mm. like the real thing and it did the real thing. I kind of thought, you know, if they, uh, they're interested later on down the line, and that's great. But if not, like that's something I kind of just did for me. And often I will make now, you know, I'll make like bar salts and stuff, not even to give to anyone. I'll just use them myself. But mm. it's like, it's, I find it, it's very, for my mental health, for my sort of like well-being and calmness and just taking that just like reconnecting I find it like invaluable it's a really good point that you made there about not being reliant on their opinion because Mm. when something truly Mm. is play you are doing it just because you want to do it and you're doing it for intrinsic reasons not for exit so if you were doing it because you wanted like the validation from the mm. kids you mm. it was important to you to get their approval or yeah. you know sort of you know impress them or get a certain reaction from them actually it wouldn't be play play yeah it's more they like work to... I guess isn't it? yeah yeah because you've got a customer ultimately yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're in that mindset um big time but also I think it's um I think it puts pressure on the kids Mm. You know, it's that kind of whole thing of like, you know, if you give your child a gift and you're like, what do you think? What do you think? Like, are you happy? Do you like yeah. it? Do you like it? And it's kind of that like, maybe they do, maybe they don't. But, you know, you're sort of inundating them with this. Sometimes it's quite nice to, um, you know, Daisy, five minute mum, she's got this golden rule where with her play or whatever she sets up, she leaves it for them yeah. to find. Yeah, and that's perfect. her golden rule. And I yeah. love that because yeah. I think it's that, that way it's no pressure on them. If they're interested, great. If they're not, it doesn't matter maybe they will be late maybe they won't be at all mm. um but yeah I think that's also a big sort of thing an important thing in my mind for when I'm making something to just kind of let it go and it be as much for my joy and if it makes brings them joy later on down the line that's great it's an added benefit isn't it yeah I wonder I'd love to hear you talk about uh, sort of the arts and crafty type play with kids so mm-hmm. you're making things mm-hmm. you're working with materials doing mm-hmm. kind of projects um something that I notice that comes up quite a lot that people can struggle with parents mm-hmm. can struggle with is letting go of a particular output mm-hmm. um, and I think it's really interesting when we think about creative play because I think most adults or a lot of adults have the need to be working towards a certain end point. Um, and in your play there, you did, you want to make the dustpan and brush. That's, that's the goal. But with kids, I think the, the, the sort of what's really good for them is to experience the process. So you might be working towards a certain project, but it has to be flexible and go off in multiple directions. And cause that's yeah. the whole thing of creativity. Yeah. How have you had any have you have you been on a journey with that in terms of like how you 
relate to that or do you does that come quite naturally to you to just let it let it go because I know that is something people struggle with with um I completely understand the struggling with because pre-kid me is very um very controlled over very meticulous planned considered not that I'm not considered now but I have I've got three kids and like had them all sort of in quick succession over kind of 18 to 20 months between them so and we've got three dogs my life is very chaotic joyful but it's very noisy there's always someone crying or falling over or yeah. mummy or this and that and it's basically impossible to kind of keep that like control which is actually I love it it's kind of I've it's changed my life and so obviously you know having kids changed your life in so many ways but one of the great things I love is that it's really taught me to let go Mm. and to just kind of be in the now be getting everyone through this moment and as a result that kind of transpires into every aspect or as many aspects as possible obviously like getting into school on time is probably more of a must but in other areas I kind of I let go also because they're very young and I've been doing it with them since they're very young, it's obviously not very possible to say to a two-year-old or a one-year-old, let's draw a bunny and make a bunny. And so it's actually about just sitting down, putting a bit of cardboard on the table, giving them some gray or pink paint or even just anything and then doing it, whatever. And then afterwards it's, oh, we made a bunny together or whatever. Um, So actually I find it okay. And then I'm very led by the kids. And I think, if that's how I feel that we get maximum enjoyment when we are doing a an activity together is if the kids lead it, getting them involved in, okay, what should we get out? Should we get out some paints? Okay, that's probably enough. Should we get out, let's use some cardboard or whatever. Going to our recycling bin as well. If you're using materials that you've not necessarily spent a fortune yeah. on, then it's a bit more relaxed. Um, and you're not, you know, they don't have to be used for a certain purpose. And then, yeah, and then following their lead and asking them. Another way I find it's easier to not sort of take over for want of a better phrase is by doing it myself Mm. so rather than setting them up with all of their stuff and then sort of like looking over getting down with them sitting at the same level and me making one because then I can put into it what I want to make or whatever and they can do theirs and we can compare and we can share and we can talk about what we're doing if we want or we can just do it and not join me just all be in the same space um sometimes if you know there's like a sibling dispute or something we'll all sit down not talking everyone's fuming but we're all working on something so yeah it's something that I find now easier because I've had no choice basically but to let go but I completely understand why um, why parents struggle and I think it's just a practice thing I think the more that you do it mm. and realize that it's it's not it's not you know it's not necessarily about if you're if you're kind of sitting down and thinking oh we're going to make Christmas cards then perhaps you have the pressure of like oh we've got to have yeah. a result but if you're sitting down and thinking my job here is to connect with my kids mm. our job here is just to just to be in this moment then there's no pressure is there and yeah. whatever is made is made yeah I think that um idea of like um parallel play I'd call it where Mm. you're sort of side by side playing Mm -hmm. is a really uh, a really good one if you can't resist taking over (laughs) if you're aware of it just like put all your control into your own (laughs) creation Um, and it's sort of it's a good way to like start so it was like it's like biting your tongue in a way like do your own um, creation I think there is something really linked up between that Um, what you talked about control so I think control is a real like the more control you try and have I think the less enjoyment that you can have as a parent like I think our relationship with control is really close to our relationship to fun that we can find in parenting and I think there is something about creative play and using our creativity that can heal that in some way Mm. so if I give a really like obvious example mixing play-doh like if you are a person that cannot handle play-doh colors (laughs) being mixed I think that's a really good way to test loosening some of your uh, control mix the play-doh like physically mm. do it force yourself to do it because I think do it. Something yeah something really about that like how like what are the things that you're holding on to trying to control that mm. you don't need to that are getting yeah. in the way of your own enjoyment <laughs> yeah yeah no I like that and I can relate to it I think I even with my own work and art and I kind of always told myself that I wasn't very arty and wasn't very good at art because I wasn't great at painting and I wasn't great at drawing and then 
sort of practiced and did it because I really enjoy doing it. And sometimes you'll do something and you pay again, it's not for a purpose that you've been doing this painting, or you've been doing this bit of work, but it's gone wrong. And the kind of, like I say, how I used to be, my sort of more studious, more introverted, more perfectionist kind of part of me wants to start again, wants to scrap it and start mm-hmm. again. And actually the, the the playful, but not, I guess, as we've kind of identified that is that that version of me was still very playful, but the, the sort of more relaxed version yeah. of me is like, let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it hasn't gone the right way. Let's keep, do you know what I mean? Let's, we don't need to do a do-over. Let's pursue this. I want to come back to something that you said about slowing down um, yeah. because I, this sounds, this is really stupid now I'm thinking about it, but the way you describe making a slow cup of tea, when mm-hmm. I think about slowing down, I often think about like taking a breath, maybe um, freeing up some of my schedule, maybe mm-hmm. getting out into nature. But the way you described it sounded like you like physically mm. slow your body down like yeah. is that what you meant like you're yeah. physically like yeah. almost sloth like in the way that yeah. you're moving your body that's uh-huh. so interesting and I don't really know why I mean it's so obvious but can you can you tell me more about that because I've never really heard anyone so talk it's about that before. it's very it's very tied to the anxiety but I but it's also as I say with three kids three dogs has been working full time there's practical things of like getting people to places or whatever that doesn't always mean that it can be slow so it's about finding slowness wherever I can and listening to my body as well and especially like with for example responding to the kids there's a there's a point in my day where my kids are all back from school and they all need something from me yeah and the dogs need something from me and I find it even though I know it's coming I find it so hard like everyone's mummy 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 and the tone of like my husband's playing jazz music and chopping the vegetables and all that sensory and I find mm. it so and I have to slow my responses down or I have mm. to slow down how I speak to everyone I have to slow down sort of my thoughts and what I'm doing and it helps and so yeah I find this for me slowness is not just in terms of making space not making plans on the weekend it's also yeah having a day where I will, for example, in the afternoon, be in my pyjamas and move slowly and thinking about, you know, even when I wake up in the morning, not jumping out of bed and just sort of start like slowly getting up. Do you know what I mean? Like slowly opening your eyes, slowly opening the curtains. Mm. And I think that's definitely- a really good tip because I feel like mm. we're being told to slow down all the time. And sometimes within the context of our lifestyle, you think, I don't know how to do that, how? but just like physically, that, yeah. like that, I mean, just make a cup of tea as slowly as you possibly can. What a great challenge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just to kick it in, you know, because yeah. it can be hard to um, to switch from yeah. quite a frantic um, sensory overload right. um, yeah. situation like you described to, mm. to figuring out how to get into that mindset. So I like that yeah. idea of be, be sloth-like in your movements. <laughs> Um, you mentioned you you are actively, proactively pursuing a slower lifestyle. Uh, your book yes. is called Sustainable Play. Would you what be able to tell me a bit about what were the sort of triggers of that, and what are your what is your goals or aspirations with this move to pursuing this type of lifestyle? I like this question. It's all about sort of connectivity with our kids having very young kids that we really feel that we can spend time with and be be sort of more present for. And I guess that eternal thing of more balance, I say it with those, you know, inverted commas, because it's kind of, it, it looks differently to different people. But I grew up in South London. However, I found life in London once I had kids and I was the first of all my friends to have children. I found it really, really fast paced and hard to keep up. I basically, I had kids I had my my eldest and I kind of did everything the same as I did before I had I've had all my children at home and because of that with the with my eldest there was no sort of like separation of time between 
staying at home after having her. So basically, we had her and the day after we walked to the pub because no one was there to tell us not to. No one, I not didn't have anyone that I could kind of say, that I could kind of copy or model or see anyone slowing down, for example, after postpartum, blah, blah. And um, yeah, I just kind of continued life as yeah. as it was before with a baby in tow, took her everywhere, blah, 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 blah. But I, actually, I found that really hard to keep with and then shortly afterwards had my second daughter um and knew kind of when I was pregnant with my second that I wanted to do things slightly differently but I wanted to have more time with my kids and not necessarily with my kids but with everybody else and I guess the kind of that thing of you have children you meet other parents you join clubs maybe you start extracurriculars for them it's kind of maybe quite a lot of that was the done thing but I kind of wanted to find my own thing that I wanted to do rather than doing the done thing. Do you know what I mean? Like take time to kind of step back and be like, look, what what can I fit here or what am I doing that is too much? Because I yeah. was feeling like it was too much. I was feeling sort of anxious before seeing friends who were really close friends. And it's kind of like, well, why do I feel like that? And I think I was massively burnt out and massively trying to cram in everything um, and finding it quite difficult you know the weekend would approach and it'd be like well what do I do my admin or see my friends or or you know like be with my kids or do you know what I mean I, I found all of that very difficult so um lockdown happened and obviously for as everyone sort of it was stressful and very new and very uncertain but what it did mean that was that my husband was working from home obviously I was home um we had our two like young kids and all of a sudden, when he'd finished his work day, he was immediately there. There was no mm-hmm. commute. There was no like, and that we really loved. And what we did find difficult living in Southeast London is we didn't have that much outdoor space. And because of the lockdowns and everything, we were like waking up. My kids obviously did not know how to social distance. So we're waking up very, very early to like do our whatever, you know, our allocated walks or whatever. Yeah. Um, and we kind of felt like this this way of life is really lovely, although it's a bit tricky about the space. It was kind of our always our kind of dream to eventually one day have a house maybe in the south of France or whatever and we kind of just thought okay maybe let's explore that for a couple of months now and ride this thing out there and um it ended up being life and we we moved out here thinking that we'd stay for like three months not knowing what my husband's like work like setup would be of course because everyone was allowed to remote work for the period of time and we literally fell in love with it and it really changed our life and changed our like relationship with our kids and our relationship with each other and ourselves and I think we all just got so so close and and also the kind of the logistical play dates and all the things that I struggled to kind of balance and fit in they weren't there anymore Mm. it was literally we'd have endless endless time to just be with each other to rest like that was the main thing I never I'd never take a whole day to rest that to me felt like a waste of time and now that's just like normal like oh we're just what are you doing today nothing (laughs) absolutely nothing and yeah I I loved it and it's made for us it really really suits us and I obviously I know that kind of way of living is not for everyone but for us it's been a really good thing and I, I found like we we had our third daughter out here and I found for me I can I imagine that having three kids out here in the way that we live is easier because I don't have as much sort of packed in where I think mm. if I was living at home home living back in London trying to do the sim- similar life that I have I think I'd find that really difficult so yeah it's been a really refreshing surprising sort of unexpected change but one I am it's been like the best thing for us yeah, gosh, so interesting because I also was the first of all our friends to really? have a baby. Yeah, like a quite a long time before before they caught up mm. <laughs> um, and also lived in London. And I really struggled with, I think wherever you live, there's a sort of, um, I suppose there's like a culture of experiencing like maternity leave and motherhood, obviously yes. like very sort of like nuanced between areas and places, mm-hmm. but there's certainly kind of, I suppose norms and rituals in the way that you socialize and the way that you spend time and I sort of threw myself into it but I think um in hindsight because I have a massive gap so um our kids are uh, nearly 13 9 and then 2 and it's just oh gosh, so amazing. different between you know mm-hmm. when I first became a mum to more recently with our third and I think I uh, sort of 
almost like zombie walked into those sort of like cultural norms when I was in London of going to groups and and things Mm -hmm. like that and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't my thing at all Mm -hmm. um and it's really interesting now because I you know I study play and I'm an expert in play and understand a lot more about it and I reflect on that time and I think uh, you know I was doing activities that were actually like really at odds with my play Mm -hmm. style and I think Mm -hmm. it's actually something that I've never heard anyone spoken about before but for maternity leave and for that first year actually understanding how you as a mum like to Mm -hmm. play and knowing Mm -hmm. the environments that light up your Mm -hmm. play personality I think is really valuable knowledge because Mm -hmm. it allows you to get into flow and you know it lights you up and you'll be able to sort of whereas I think I was constantly going to places and spaces and activities that were just not not aligned with how I play. And on top of being, you know, a new mom and all these experiences, it it didn't necessarily give me anything back. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can completely, I can completely imagine and picture that. And it's such a time as well. It's such a sort of fragile and also, I guess in a way like sacred time, but, it's it's so unknown and I don't know back then did you were you sort of as like did were you as studied and as learned in play as you are now no so I so my my background is in um, children's research so I knew a lot about um kids and um, sort of like the the area that I worked in was sort of studying like entertainment and media and all of their kind of like trends and interests I knew a lot about that but not so much like um the sort of the science of play like I'm sort of yeah. doing now in my career so no I wasn't I wasn't as aware um and I certainly wasn't as knowledgeable about um the sort of the the mothering experience and just what I've learned from the more uh, more recent information that we've mm. had available to us even like terms like you know, the the mental load and, you know, all of these things that yeah, sort of yeah. socialized on social media actually didn't really exist when I yeah. had Phoenix. Um, I wasn't really on Instagram. Like it was, it wasn't that long ago, but it was quite yeah, a different, different landscape. Yeah. Um, how quickly everything is yeah. like coming out. And being, yeah, I can completely imagine. Like. Yeah. So I think I just sort of was like, what, you know, what do you do? And sort of looking around. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I did do was I... I, d- I wrote a blog um I was very ahead of my time <laughs> um and, and I um I blogged about my experience of being a new mother but specifically Amazing. I wrote it um as a as a comedy so okay. I would write about the first time I took um a, a buggy on a, bu- a bus and like what yeah. a disaster it was and <laughs> I would write about these tiny micro experiences and write like hundreds and hundreds of words about these tiny first experiences in quite a comedic way and when I look back now that's I a storyteller again isn't it a storyteller yeah, yeah. And so my um a sort of coping mechanism playful coping mechanism of turning something that's stressful into humor like reclaiming it um and yeah. turning it into something that's funny and I didn't do it for I didn't do it wasn't really like an influencer age I wasn't doing it to you know yeah for anyone to read it actually yeah um, and it was just for for me um and and now when I look back I think oh it's so interesting because that doing that I think had such a massive impact on um how I felt and my ability to continue to like ground myself because it was yeah. like it was pure play um yeah. and it was grounded in humor it was very like authentic like I'm kind yeah. of quite I can be quite sarcastic and witty and um so it was very kind of authentic to me and I think writing that blog did far more for me than trying to join any of these classes or <laughs> sort of yeah. make friends and do and do that just sort of because it was very authentic to me so I'm really glad that I did that and and when I had my daughter our second child I got really into um like making children's accessories yeah super into it like making all of these you know and and I do sort of like little photo shoots with the kids and um (laughs) and then with when I had Scout um in lockdown um 
I was very into making content of our lockdown that was very much play for me and sharing. So I can see these kind of like activities that organically just because I think just through my creativity and personality but but at the time I just sort of you often with your play and your interests you dismiss them as just something you enjoy but actually they are so important Mm -hmm. um and they are like your your lifeline they're your like guide ropes I think back to who you are and that's what happens isn't it when you have kids like you forget who you are because you are a different person now and I think like examples of when I was playing in that first year were those little anchors to you know this is who you are and maybe Mm -hmm. this is who you're becoming now and I think it's like so such valuable information for new parents to be like what are you going to play when you have a baby (laughs) yeah what's your play yeah. project gonna be and also once you find that thing really taking the time to lean into it yeah and to really like go with it and to kind of yeah give it all that you can when you can and significantly yeah. like it's not a side hustle it's not yeah. something that you know exactly. you have to be good at it's not something yes. that you have put pressure on it's not something mm-hmm. that has to be time sensitive um yeah. because well, obviously for any purpose or exactly yeah show anyone or any sort of results and I think there's so much in that isn't there there's so much of it like that side hustle thing that you say so much of us so many of us think that if we are doing anything extra well that's got to have an end result I I for example I horse ride and I don't want a horse ride to be to get to like compete or anything like that I just want a horse ride because I want to be able to ride a horse (laughs) that's it um and it's like you know even when our kids curriculums whatever there's always sort of there's an exam to it isn't there There there's a stage and a step or whatever so it's sort of quite at odds with everything that we're taught and told just to do something just because just to I've even shared about this like I'd be put off when I was younger growing up doing playing sports because I wasn't very sporty yeah like wasn't great catching a ball or whatever but I loved it yeah (laughs) so why did I stop because I wasn't good but I think that's sort of like we're told and you know we're kind of we're kind of urged to do the things that we are you know come naturally to us or that we're gifted at or whatever and I think it's really important that we actually relearn that if it brings us joy let's just do it because it brings us joy completely and that it kicks in so early around eight years old that starts happening I mean it's so Mm. it's so young but before Mm. that we have this really it's very primal in us to just do things because we enjoy them because we're programmed that, you know, when we enjoy something, we learn through it and and it's a springboard to something else. But, you know, once those kind of like social sort of social pressures kick in Mm -hmm. those comments that come through when we maybe flag, Oh, I'm actually not, not that good. Somehow it switches from, I do things that I enjoy to I do things that I am good at good at yeah and and that can stick around for a long time and I think you know we we're obsessed with asking kids what they're going to be when they grow up I suppose because it's quite interesting but you know I I think we should be asking them like what are you going to play when you're older yeah (laughs) yeah what would you like to play that you can't play now Because, you know, yeah. you're younger, but you might be able to when you're bigger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like that. Um, your book, um, Sustainable Play, um, would love to hear, mm-hmm. what do you mean by sustainable play? What's in the the sort of message and ethos there? <clears throat> so it's sustainable for the planet. It's planet-kind ways of playing. And it's also sustainable for us as parents in terms of it's easy, it's easy reach um, and doesn't require us to have loads of materials or go out and invest in anything. Um, I wanted to basically create a book where it gives you ideas of things that you can do, play or make um, in your home, slow days, rainy days, whatever, but that you can open the book to any page and be like, we can do that one rather than open it a bit like you would do a cookbook or whatever and be like, okay, I've got to put that on the shopping list. I didn't want it to be like that. I wanted it to be like, you're ready with whatever you are and you can use what you have. Um, And so when I wrote it, I made sure, was mindful that each 
craft or activity you don't need more than six things so you're not running around the house you know with a massive basket trying to collect things and that it's all things that you're going to have in your house you know an empty loo roll or a cardboard box or an egg carton and if not then I've given you ideas of things that you could use instead um so okay fine, we don't have an egg carton but you could use little cups or something um and it's really about turning everyday things into like creating magic out of just everyday items um or just creating moments of connection with your kids like looking out of a window and look, like watching the sunset and yeah I basically came up with lots of ideas of things that we had done and kind of collated them and wrote down the ones that my kids really enjoyed and yeah that's what it is and so it's 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 a mixture of it's mainly crafts it's mainly cardboard crafts but then also some non-crafting things and kind of more just prompts of things that you can play with you know with your sofa and some cushions and you and your kid what are your thoughts on the the sort of sustainability within play it's something that I think is really important like we you know we in all industries we're you know talking mm-hmm. about sustainability within play what are your thoughts on you know toys and materials and and things like that <clears throat> I think I I understand the 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 presence the ever-growing presence I think we we live in a, a world where there's just everything's abundant yeah well uh, again nuanced but you and I are kind of moving in a space where there's an abundance of things, whether it be picking up our phones and seeing whether it be turning on the television. And I, there's obviously that has its place and there are going to be kids that, you know, are playing with toys whilst they're, you know, their parents are working or parents are busy with this or whatever. And I, I, there, there is a place for it, but I also do very strongly believe that we, the abundance isn't, needed and that our mm. kids don't need don't need toys really don't need the level and the amount that we believe perhaps mm. or that we are sort of told that they need um so for me it's like kids love a cardboard box that whole sort of like cliche and that idea of like oh we don't need to give the baby that toy they're probably happy with the box that it comes in but I, I believe it's true and I see that it's true because of all the things that we can create with it all the games and blah blah um I think for me I would I want to inspire and share and kind of yeah share ideas basically of ways to play without needing to spend and without needing to consume a lot and using what you already have my main sort of ethos is to make it as accessible for people as possible and to just re-look at what you already have um so that's my basic that's my focus yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's really important. Um, and I just want to close out by asking you, like, what are your, what are your aspirations in terms of the values that you're instilling in your kids? Like, are you, because I think there's, there's so many qualities and characteristics and things that we can try and instill in our kids. But I think each parent has a slightly different lens and a slightly different focus. What are the sort of yeah. Yeah. The, the the characteristics the the skills the qualities that are really kind of prominent for you and important to you like if you had to just choose sort of three that are like the most important to instill in your kids which ones are you are you kind of really zooming in on <clears throat> oh that is such a good question I don't think one I've ever been asked before um I think I thought you were going to say what is the sort of the aspirational sort of what are you aiming to do with it in terms of the play for me play is a way of connection yeah and the connection is a way of trust and I mm. my main thing my main aspiration is for my kids to trust me and mm. they're just to have that level for the rest of their life they can just come to me with anything mum this this that's my main thing what aspirations do I want to instill in my kid that's honestly such a good question and so hard because you want to say so many don't you I know um <laughs> Let me think then quick fire. So I, we say before my kids go to school every day, my eldest two say affirmations. So I guess perhaps related to the affirmations, the sort of I have the courage to be myself. Mm. I think I want my kids to feel able to just be themselves, whoever they are, express their thought, like, you know, respectfully express their thoughts, feelings, ideals, 
like that's a massive be 100% who they are um it's a big one to me I think kindness like as but like big time kindness to ourselves I think when mm. we focus on being and kind with others and sharing with us and others and with that but I really like this whole idea of why are we telling our kids to share why can't we tell our kids you know when you're finished you can you can pass it on if you want to yeah um so I like that and I think the focusing on being really like self-love because then it's easier isn't it so like to give it outwards when you give yeah. it to yourself and you're not denying yourself mm. so I think that's my second one goodness me this is tricky tricky and what's the third one Do you know I guess like not taking life too seriously Mm, mm. like having fun and going Mm. with things and like you said when you were talking about the explorer side of your Mm. playfulness I love that like yeah like making like exploring life discovering exploring a new place when you said I was thinking like oh my god yeah I know that feeling because the other day I discovered a new supermarket and I was like oh my god this is amazing yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying it doesn't have to be have the other to side be, of the like... world you just get you just get curious yeah well I think um, they're, they're beautiful so yeah. I mean what three amazing things to take into adulthood being yourself self-love and giving it back to others and just enjoying enjoying yeah. your life Life, I mean, it's, yeah. it sounds simple, but um, I think it can it, it can get forgotten. And I think it's really important that actually we do actually teach kids that they're growing up with a difficult, um, you know, world stage mm-hmm. um, at their feet yeah, must- um, and, and learning how to find joy, fun in quite an unfun world, um, I think yeah. is a really important quality for them to take into the future that they're going to have. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a real, a real treat. Um, I'm going to end this call and go and make a cup of tea like I'm a sloth as slowly <laughs> as I possibly can. I'm going to go and look up the play <laughs> play personality yeah. thing. I've Dr. been Yeah, Dr. Stuart Brown. He's the... Um, he's the theorist is really I mean you know okay we can't put ourselves in a cardboard box can we <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> we're all we're all a mix of um we're all a mix of everything but you will notice one or two that you that you know really connect with you so yeah going go yeah. check that out and, and yeah thank you so much for your time and you know best of luck with the book and and thank you. perhaps the next book um thank it's you know it's really great work that you're doing and yeah sharing sharing your creativity and um yeah passing on your ideas and 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 your philosophies it's it's really important because i think we are at a point in time where we're rethinking everything um and although there is quite a lot of privilege attached to this conversation it is Mm -hmm. important that we see that there are other ways of living there are Mm -hmm. other routes to um to achieve perhaps um things that we want to achieve and that we can find new playgrounds different playgrounds um to spend our our life in and get on that journey so yeah thank you for sharing your story i love that thank you so so much for having me so much fun so cool to chat